just so you know, as I start to read this, this is a, uh, I was trying to prepare the guys in preparation for this message. Uh, It's difficult in some ways because he's not jumping into uh, making such a great theological argument to sort of help the Galatians grow in their faith. He's, He's more of a pastor friend coming alongside them, trying to really encourage them, but also you, you can hear some of his, uh, frustration is probably the wrong word, but there, there's a rebuke in here. And so uh, if you feel that, it's because it's there. So starting in verse 12, he says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now, And change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of it. Every word. Thank you for this section of scripture. We ask that you would use it to instruct us. You would use it to encourage us. You would use it to correct us. You would use it. To help us grow in our faith. To help us grow as leaders. To help us grow as followers. To help us pick up our cross and follow Jesus in every moment and every circumstance that you place us in. For we want to honor and we want to glorify you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We may be seated. I like find a spot to stand. I keep backing up until that sun's out of the way. It's nice just to have the sun out, right? Okay. Have you ever noticed as you get older? Well, this is something I noticed. But have you ever noticed as you get older how much you're kind of like your parents? I mean, you try really, really hard growing up. Like, I'm not going to be like that guy, or I'm not going to do that. Those type of things, but. But I don't know, what I find out in my life is, is as I get older, my, my wife helps me to see sometimes I'm a lot like my dad. Some of the good things and some of the maybe not so good things all the time. Um, and the other thing I've noticed is, is my kids are like that as well, in the sense that, that there's, there's a part of both Sarah and I in them that, that they reveal at times, not just in the way they look, I'm talking about in the way they act. Or the words that they say. And so I, I, we have the joy of having uh, my nephew in the home. And 
Um, recently, he just, he, he's been, not, I guess it's not recently, but he likes to correct us. And by that, I just mean it's the way in which we speak. And so he's, he's a sort of a true Michigander growing up there. And my sister is like a big English person that, that's really important to them. And in my home, that's, it's really not. And so we say things that are just Anderson way of saying things. And so get correct. And the reason for that is because our, our family is around each other all the time and my kids end up imitating me. And so the way I am, they sort of pick up and especially the boys, they just, they just do things that I do. And it's just sort of how God, God has made us that we, we end up imitating people that are around us. And so, uh, this section of scripture is kind of about some imitation. Paul is calling for the Galatians to, um, become like him as he became like them. And so in my study for this text, I just started studying imitation and things. And I came across a couple articles. One was written by a name by Valerie Sabater. And it's not, a, it's not a Christian article. It's just asked the question, why do children imitate adults? She goes on to write, one of our biggest responsibilities is to be a good example to our children. This is because children, especially during the first five years of life, imitate everything they see in adults. For better or for worse, children imitate adults, almost without us realizing it. Their small eyes study and hone in on us, working in behaviors, copying gestures and internalizing words, expressions, and even roles. We know that children will never be exact copies of their parents. The imprint we leave on them, however, is decisive. This is something that has always been clear in the area of psychology of development. Albert Bandura, for example, a recognized psychologist in the field of social learning, has written extensively on one of its key concepts, modeling. According to him, people learn by imitating the behaviors they see around them. Those social models they grow up or interact with. Children don't only imitate their parents. As we well know, they don't simply experience isolated scenarios. Nowadays, they have more social stimulation than ever and even models outside of their home and school. We also can't forget television and those new technologies they use from a very early age. Everything they see, hear, and happens around them influences them. We adults make up that vast theater of characters that they imitate and that will influence their conduct and even the way of their understanding of the world. We know that children imitate adults, but why do they do it? Developmental psychologist Moritz Dahm from the University of Zurich pointed out something interesting. He said, this almost instinctive behavior in humans serves for more than just learning. Imitating also creates a sense of belonging. And it helps humans identify themselves as parts of groups. And so this is probably why when you see people who try to be really different from other people, those people trying to be really different from this other group end up doing what? Creating their own little culture where they end up looking the, like the same. Because, because what happens, we live in the context of community. And the way in which God has created us is, is a way in which we learn from others. We learn from paying attention to the people around us, whether it's good or bad. God has created us where we begin life and we begin imitating our parents. We learn how to talk because we hear our parents talk. We talk in a certain way, sorry Trevor, because that's the way our parents talk. 
So we just become like that. Even in our own little church like this, we have a culture. I would say sovereign grace as a denomination has a culture. And I saw this firsthand when I was able to go to uh, Seoul, South Korea, a couple of times. I remember going there. And, if you, and I, don't, I don't really travel the world a lot. That probably doesn't surprise many of you. Um, but having the opportunity to go there two separate times, I noticed right away when you get there, everybody drives a black car, a white car, or a silver car. It's amazing. Just, just on this hotel room looking out over at the city and you're just watching all of these people moving around and there really wasn't any color. It was very odd to find a vehicle that wasn't black, white, or silver. It was also very odd to find somebody wearing something other than a black coat. They just all sort of just dress the same. And I was talking to Song Wan and he's just saying that's part of the culture. But you know what was so different? I went into that Sovereign Grace Church there because it's a Sovereign Grace Church. And it looked exactly like our church. It looked exactly like our church because that church looked nothing like the culture around it. And you'd be amazed if you were there. You'd say, yeah, this feels like a Sovereign Grace Church. And you're like, well, why? And it's, part of it is because Song Wan has spent a lot of time around us, learning from sovereign grace. And so there's just this, this culture that's been created. It's just sort of how the Lord has, has created us. He's created us to sort of be imitators as we grow. I read this other article that says why children imitate their parents, and it just said the following. They're curious. They're learning how to communicate. They're learning how emotions work. They're honing their social skills. And they're trying to be independent. And so that's how the Lord's created us. He's created us to learn from others. And what we're going to find in this text is that, is that Paul calls for the Galatians to learn from him. You notice at the end of this section when I was reading it, he, he just kind of shares his heart with them. Instead of using the word frustrated, he's just like, I wish I was with you so I could change my tone, but I'm, I'm just perplexed. And, he, and he's perplexed in some ways because they started out really well. He planted this church. They followed him. We're going to see that in just a moment. And, and something changed in them. And he's perplexed. He wished he was with them, but he's not with them at the moment. And, and they need help. And so instead of going into a theological argument, he, he calls them to remember him and become like him in their faith. Here's what we're going to learn from the text this morning. If I had to boil it in this truth, is, is this. Moving forward in the faith means we must pick up our crosses, deny ourselves, and allow for Christ to be formed in us as we imitate him. And so I know it's a mouthful, and I'm going to read it again, but I, th I think it's important because he's, he's at the point in his letter where he's helping them grow in their faith. Grow in understanding what it means to be justified by faith alone and Jesus Christ alone, and to, and to, and to really understand that theological truth, and, and to understand what it means to be adopted by God, and to have this freedom to draw near to God, knowing that we're known by Him in a personal way. And so these truths are meant to sort of anchor us, and then, and then we're called to live in the good of them. 
And so he's beginning to address them. He's trying to help them live in the good of the gospel. Or I've titled this message, Gospel-Rooted Living. And so he, he's, he's helping them by helping them get to this point where he's just moving forward in the faith. It means trusting in Jesus Christ means we must pick up our crosses, deny ourselves, and allow for Christ to be formed in us as we imitate him. So we're going to dig into this truth by, by really looking at three points this morning. And these are just these points that I've, I've labeled. They're just sort of observations just to kind of get us into the text. And so in the first point, we see Paul urges the Galatians to imitate him or to become like him. Verse 12, again, he writes, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. We see here that the Galatians weren't, weren't only to believe the truth that Paul had taught them, but that they were also to live it out in a specific way. The way in which Paul was living it out, the way in which Paul had lived it out before them when he had spent time with them. Todd Wilson, in his commentary, wrote the following. He said, the Galatians must not only endorse Paul's gospel, but must also conform to his gospel-rooted way of life. The problem for the Galatians wasn't just their theology of not believing wholeheartedly in Christ alone for their salvation, but it also included the way in which they were living. In turning away from the gospel that Paul had preached to them, they had also turned away from living in the good of the gospel. And what we see here is that Paul was earnestly, he was entreating them, he was earnestly asking them to pay close attention to his life and to imitate him or become like him as he was following Jesus Christ. I think in, in some ways what we need to understand here is, is they were here, mean, meaning they were believing in, following, trusting in Jesus Christ, following Paul, and then all of a sudden something happened and, and they, they started to question that. They became confused and everything started to change. And so, and so now they're, they're in this place where they're a bit confused. Paul's perplexed by their confusion. And to help them move forward, he's saying, pay attention to me. I think that's what you get when you get a good leader. When people find themselves confused in the faith, if you're a dad and, and, you're, and you're living life with your kids and your kids are wrestling with, with this is what I've been taught, this is what I confessed at this age, but I'm really questioning this right now, sometimes a good leader will just say, hey, follow me. Watch me as I follow Christ. And so Paul in some ways is doing that. He's, he's beginning in a way to, to just help them take that next step as they trust in Jesus Christ and showing them the way of what it looks like for a believer to follow Christ and believe in Christ. And this isn't something new that Paul is teaching here. In Acts chapter 26, he stood before King Agrippa and he was sharing the gospel with King Agrippa. You don't have to go there, I'm just going to share a paraphrase of it. He was standing before him and he was asked by King Agrippa after he had shared the gospel with him, King Agrippa said this, In a short time, do you think to make me a Christian? To which Paul replied, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. 
Paul's heart for King Agrippa and the Galatians is also his heart for us this morning. Paul longed for everyone to become like him in his faith and in his life. He wanted the Galatians to be free from the false teachers' lies about the gospel. And he wanted them to live in this freedom by picking up their cross, denying themselves, and following Jesus Christ. You see, when we get the gospel wrong, either by adding to it, and that's what the Galatians were doing. They were adding to the gospel. They were no longer just believing in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. They were believing in Jesus Christ, but they were also seeking to do these works. As the Judaizers were, were seeking to tell them, no, you've got to be circumcised and you, and you need to follow the law, and then you'll really be saved. And so they were adding to the gospel. And there's ways in which we can take away from the gospel. But whenever we do that, whenever we add to the gospel or take away from the gospel, we, we begin to place ourselves outside of God's grace and back under or into this imprisonment that Paul had been teaching us up to this point about. Imprisonment to the law. Enslavement to our sins. Enslavement to the things of this world. Because there's only one thing that saves us. And that's believing in Jesus Christ alone. And when we start to believe in something else, we begin to put ourselves in bondage. And so Paul's concerned about that. So it affects more than just the way we think. It affects also the way in which we live. And so we get the gospel wrong, we will eventually end up living out our lives, not by faith, trusting in this good news, but living out our lives, seeking to do all sorts of different things, either to save ourselves or to run away from God. And so Paul's concerned about the way in which they're living. Paul understood and lived in the good of the gospel in such a way that it freed him. It freed him up to travel around preaching the gospel to everyone, which allowed him to relate to everyone, including the Gentiles, in such a way that he ultimately was able to serve them by preaching the gospel to them and not push them away, like some of the Judaizers were doing. This is important because Paul, Paul said, become like me for I became like you. Well, well how did Paul, I'm going to try to move here. There we go. So how, sort of, sort of made it out of it. Anyways, he became like them. In some ways, we've got to understand Paul. Paul goes into this Gentile place, and what we love about Paul is the Gentiles didn't scare him. Their differences might have been a little uncomfortable to him, but he didn't make a big deal about them. But instead, he pressed on and he sought to actually understand them. Embrace the good things about them, reject the bad things that they believed and were doing, and ultimately he sought to serve them and love them so that by God's grace, God might save them as he preached the gospel to them. So Paul asked the Galatians to become like him because he became like them. He didn't come into Galatia and demand that they immediately do things that he was doing and change everything about them. Paul got to know them personally. He lived with them. He ate with them. That was a big deal. He worked with them. He became their friend and embraced who they were at the time with the hope of preaching the good news to them in such a way that they would hear it and God would save them. 
So that's who Paul was. That's how Paul became like them. The Judaizers, though, they were different. These were the false teachers. They were self-righteous people who came in and immediately started to demand that the Galatians change everything they were basically doing and become like them. So we need to understand, self-righteous people like these Judaizers, they're, they're really just selfish people. Self-righteous people are selfish people. Self-righteous people really don't care about anybody but themselves. And that's what we see with these Judaizers. They were self-righteous people. They were seeking to do certain things to make them righteous before God. And so they're self-righteous, selfish people who were wreaking all sorts of havoc in this church. But Paul wasn't like that. Paul came into Galatia and he loved these folks, cared for them, and he sought to serve them. This is how Paul, this is how and why Paul could ask the Galatians to become like him in his faith. He wasn't arrogantly seeking to draw more and more people to himself. He wasn't seeking to make his name great. He was actually seeking to serve them by highlighting the greatness of Jesus Christ and helping people to come to know Christ and to follow Christ. He was a humble servant of Christ Jesus. And so he's not asking them to become like him. He's actually, in a sense, asking them to look at his life As he has followed Christ, he's asking them to follow him as he follows Christ. So he's not a self-righteous, arrogant man. He's a humble apostle seeking to care for these people. John Stott writes the following. He says, embedded here is a principle of far-reaching importance for ministers, missionaries, and other Christian workers. It is that in seeking to win other people for Christ, our end is to make them like us. While the means to that end is to make ourselves like them, if they are to become one with us in Christian conviction and experience, we must first become one with them in Christian compassion. We must be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I became like you, now you become like me. So if we're going to be faithful to go and make disciples Of Jesus Christ, we must not only preach the gospel to them, though there are times when this is appropriate, and I would say there are times when all we we get the opportunity to do is preach the gospel to them, but we must also be prepared and ready to live out the gospel in front of them and for them with the hope that they might become like us through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to be careful of is the gospel is what saves people. The proclamation of Jesus Christ is, is the power of God to save people. But, but what we see is, is God works through his people to proclaim that message. And a lot of times that message is illustrated and backed up by the lives of the people God sends to preach the gospel. And so the way in which we live is important. Because hypocrites will say one thing and do the other. And that's caused a lot of damage. It's caused a lot of damage. All you got to do is Google it or read about it. I feel like I've gotten in arguments about this with friends at times where, where you see the media will say, these Christians are doing this. And it's like, well, how do you know they're believers? Well, because they're holding a the flag. It doesn't really make you a Christian just because you have a Christian flag. Or even because you say you're a believer doesn't necessarily make you a believer. We can say we're lots of things doesn't actually mean we're it. Like the Lord actually has to change 
our hearts, but it doesn't mean that we as believers, if you're a genuine believer, God's called you to live that out in the community and context where you're at so that you might then preach the gospel and God might use your life to encourage those who are hearing the actual gospel come out of your mouths. And so God uses our lives as living illustrations for what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And I could stand up here for, I guess, the the rest of my life and just go through each and every one of you in some way how God has used your life and not just your words to shape me as a man, as a husband, as a father. Because I've seen many of you men live out the gospel in such a way where, where you're just being faithful. Faithful to love your wife. Faithful to love your kids. Faithful to train them. Faithful to work hard. There's just so many of those things. And so in some ways what Paul's doing here is right. He's calling for them to become like him. He's showing them the way forward. A lot of people in this world don't want anything to do with Christ. Though because of their experience with some Christians. Now I want to I want to be careful here because this doesn't mean that we won't ever offend somebody because of the way in which we follow Christ for even Christ offended many people throughout his time here on earth. But it but it does mean that we're called to live out the gospel in front of people in the hope that they, too, might become like us. And what I mean by that is is not not doing the exact same things we do, but believing in Christ and picking up their cross and following him. And so before we move on to our point, this would be a side note for parents. I just say this, moms and dads, your example is really important. Your example of how you pick up a cross and follow Jesus Christ is very important. Your kids will hear you speak. And then they're going to watch the way you actually live that out. And so your words are going to form them. And the, the way in which you live will also form them. So I'd say this, pay close attention to your own life. Pay close attention to the example that you're setting because your kids are imitating you. And God's going to use that either for their good or maybe maybe not their bad, but he'll use it for their good in a different way. This leads us to our next point, the Galatians' attitude towards Paul. Before Paul addressed the Galatians' current view of him, he takes them back to when they, they first met. Verse 13 and 14, he says the following, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. And this is what I mean by an interesting passage. Like we've gone from justification and adoption to sort of just this, this personal sort of, this is what I was like with you. This is what you did with me. And, and what we see here is we just get to see his attitude before he sort of just corrects them and asks questions for them. But we also get to see that when Paul first arrived to plant this church, it wasn't something he was planning on. He was sick. He was in really rough shape. So he hadn't planned to go there, but because of this bodily ailment, we don't really know what that was, he was there, and by the grace of God, he was able to preach the gospel to them, and what we see here is that his sickness was a source of a a trial for them. And so I'm trying to think through this, and I think I I I can relate to them, the Galatians' trial, because if, if you're in my house, if I get sick, my wife does an outstanding job caring for everybody in our home. 
But as soon as she gets sick, our house changes. And in many ways it changes because it's a significant trial for me. And that's true, right? I don't, I don't handle it well. Like when my wife gets sick, I reach out, guys, please pray for me as much as you're praying for her. It's bad, I know. She just takes care of our home so well. But eventually we just get in this point where it's like, i got to start doing all the things that she does, and I'm not used to doing those things. And so it's this trial. I'm sure it wasn't quite like that, but his bodily ailment, his sickness was a, was a trial for them. But he's, what he's saying is, when I first got there, you, you liked me. You endured this trial. It actually really wasn't a trial for you at all. You, you served me. You received me as an angel, as Christ Jesus himself. So that's their attitude towards Paul when he first got there. But then something changed. Verse 15, he said, what then has become of your blessedness? Or why don't you like me anymore? For I testified to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? I think we have the key. So at one point they loved Paul. They sacrificed to serve him. He said, you'd you'd gouge an eye out for me. You'd give it to me. But now as he was writing this letter, they're no longer happy with him. In fact, some were viewing Paul as an enemy, and the reason for this was not because of Paul. Paul hadn't changed. Paul was still doing the same thing, believing in the same gospel, preaching the same gospel. He was continuing to tell them the truth. What had changed was the Galatians. The Galatians no longer accepted and sort of believed in this truth that Paul was telling them. Instead, they were buying into these false teachers, and as they changed, their attitude towards Paul changed as well. So Paul rebuked them in their sins, and I think we can all relate to this. Sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes more than others. Sometimes when we're especially being proud and we don't want to admit it, that's, that's typically when the truth seems to hurt the most. For honest, all of us at times like to think very highly of ourselves. Truth is, though, none of us are perfect and we all need to be corrected at times and we all need to hear the truth. I'll give you a personal example. This happens, uh, I don't know, maybe once a month, maybe maybe a couple times a month or every two months. Anyways, so I, I don't always like to hear the truth. Most of the time I do. There are moments, I'm saying here's how I think this works, is there are moments when I get angry at my kids. And my wife is godly in these moments at times. And in the midst of me getting angry at my kids, she'll maybe begin by giving me a look or saying my name, and I know what's coming. Aaron, you probably shouldn't say this right now. Or Aaron, can you just walk away at this moment? And so she's offering some some good help, some correction. But if you catch me in the wrong moment, Meaning being very proud and angry. I, I don't like to hear the truth. And so I respond negatively towards the truth. And then just in a moment's time, I can go from not only being angry at my kids. I could also be going and being angry at my wife. Because she's trying to help me. But I don't want her helping them. Anybody relate to any of that? Or am I just the only one who sins in that way? 
Okay, so I, I think in some ways that's what we see here is like, what changed? My wife didn't change. She's continuing to tell me the truth. The thing that changed was my heart. And so for the Galatians, they once loved this truth, but now they don't love this truth and they don't love the person giving them this truth. And the reason for it is because they've changed. They've bought into lies and they've started to worship something other than Jesus Christ. And so they're rejecting this truth. And so Paul's saying, you don't like me anymore. And the reason you don't like me is because you don't like the truth. And so he's trying to help them see how important the truth is and where their hearts are at in this matter. So a side note before we get into our last and final points, I'd say this for moms and dads. And if you notice, I've just been sharing moms and dads sort of parenting tips throughout Galatians. I think this is really helpful for us. I'd say this to you for parents. Here's a side note. Your kids will not always like you. They just won't. Especially when they're rebelling against God and you're seeking to be faithful to what God has called you to do by sharing the truth with them. One thing I've learned as a pastor and as a dad over the years is that sometimes the people that God has called for me to love and care for will not always like me, nor the truth that I share with them. And it's not that I'm always right. I'm not always right. But God does not call me to be liked by everyone. And as parents, he's, he's not called for you necessarily to be always liked by your kids. He's called for us to be faithful. Faithful to him and his word. And sometimes being faithful to him and his word means that your kids will not like you sometimes. And any parent, just, just raise, you don't have to raise your hand, just nod because you know this is true, especially as they get older. So if you have little kids, just know that they get older and all the, th- like, I'm, okay, here's a side note. When Sovereign Grace used to have like CDs, remember what those are? They'd get them, and, and I'd bring them home. I'd bring a new one home, and I'd put it in the old CD player. My kids were really little, and I'd be like, guys, look what Dad did today at work. It made this. And they'd be like, really? I was like, yeah. And then I'd be like, no, I'm just kidding. We like to joke around, or I like to joke around. Anyways, when they're little, you can convince them of everything. They just think you're Superman, and they think Mom's Wonder Woman, and, and that's the best, and then... And then things start to happen. They start to grow up and, and they start to develop. And God's called for them to be independent. And they start to test certain things. And, and you're going to be tested. They're just not going to like you all the time. Ask any mom and dad whose kids are out of the house. They just will not like you all the time. And that's okay. God's called you to be a mom and a dad and not necessarily their best friend. He's called you to love them by sharing the truth with them. And they're not always going to like it. But don't stop sharing that truth with them. Trust that God will take that truth and one day maybe that truth will bear fruit. Do we trust Him for their hearts? We can't control them. But we trust God to save those whom He's chosen. This leads us to our third and final point. Paul's attitude towards the Galatians. Speaking of the false teachers, first Paul writes the following. He said, they make much of you but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you make much of them. And so he's just saying again, they're just selfish. They're they're sort of flirting with you. They're they're sort of just after your attention because ultimately they'd really just want you to make much of them. They're after your allegiance for their personal gain, not yours. And so I just say that's kind of what false teachers do. But Paul, he's different. He was so different. 
He goes on, he says, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. See, Paul loves the Galatians. He's not looking for uh, himself to be formed in them. He's, he, he's like a mother here who's in the anguish of childbirth again because what he's hoping and what he's praying for and why he's writing this letter and why he's correcting them, why he's loving them, why he's continuing to share the truth of the gospel with them is because he's, he's hoping for and praying that Christ will ultimately be formed in them. That they will ultimately become imitators of Christ by faith. Not to earn any favor with God, but because that's just what happens when we get saved. Genuine believers become more and more like Christ by the power of God and the Spirit at work in us. And he's perplexed because he's seen them kind of go backwards, but he's continuing to hope and pray that they would grow. I'm going to end with this quote. Todd Wilson says the following. He says, While we know how easy it is to let the self take center stage, even in our service of others, We must strive to keep Christ at the center. For only when we're willing to endure suffering ourselves for the sake of others so that Christ can take shape in their lives are we truly imitating the Apostle Paul. This is the essence of what it means to imitate Paul. To walk in the way of discipleship. To take up our cross and follow Jesus. To serve one another in love and to be led by the Spirit. Let me read that last part again. This is the essence of what it means to imitate Paul. To walk in the way of discipleship. To take up our cross and follow Jesus. To serve one another in love. And to be led by the Spirit. None of that is easy. All of it requires sacrifice. All of it requires service. All of it requires God's grace in our life. Because all of that takes time. Especially as we relate with one another. See, the world offers for us all sorts of people we can imitate. You could be like Mike or LeBron. That's Michael Jordan for the young folks. We could be like Donald or Joe. We could be like a whole bunch of other people. You just just pick it. Whoever the world throws out for you to be like. Be like anyone. But if we're going to move forward in our faith, We've got to pick up our crosses. We've got to follow Jesus Christ. We've got to embrace what God has called for us to do and by His grace, trust that He'll give us more grace to do it as we seek to honor Him in all that we do. And by the grace of God, may we do this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You again for this day. Lord, I thank You for the sun that's shining. Lord, I thank you for the the good temperatures that are coming. I thank you for the trials that we have experienced. The big ones and the small ones. I thank you for the friendships that we have in this room. I thank you for the fellowship that sharpens us. I thank you for your word that guides us. Lord, may you hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, I pray for those who are wandering, Lord, that they might pick up their cross and follow you, that they would repent. Lord, I pray for us, Lord, who are 
just seeking to be faithful, that you would give us the grace and the power from your spirit to do these things you've called us to do. Not to earn any favor from you, but Lord, just to, just to honor you. Just to bring you great glory in the lives you've called us to live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.